0: The Whitehall Glens Falls. It's eight o'clock.
1: morning. This is Northern Light for Friday, February 23rd. I'm Monica Sandresky. And I'm Todd Moe. The state legislature is voting on new congressional maps before Tuesday. Lawmakers could reject them, go back to old maps, or draw new ones.
2: It's a gamble, but if it could draw a map that comports with all other state requirements and get by a court review, it's entirely possible and favor a few more Democrats than the current map does.
0: We wrap up our series on black history in the Adirondacks. The Adirondack Experience partnered with an artist last summer to paint the site of a lynching near Newcomb.
3: For me, part of this is to go to the places and to bear witness um, because it really is, for me, about honoring the memories of the victims.
1: And the Saranac Lake Middle School hosted a multicultural night. Todd caught up with some of the youngsters last night, eager to share their worldly knowledge, including Hawaiian culture.
2: Loka mocha is a very cool breakfast thing they like to eat, and hapicia is a jello-ish, a coconut-ish thing.
1: All of that's coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us.
0: Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by CECOM Credit Union, serving the financial needs of people throughout northern New York and northwestern Vermont in person, online at org, and on your smartphone. And by the Depot Theater in Westport, inviting all to take a journey without leaving the station. Learn more at depottheater.org.
1: This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski.
0: And I'm Todd Moe. The head of New York's Department of Environmental Conservation will step down this spring. Basil Sagos has led the state DEC since 2015, longer than any previous commissioner. He announced his decision to leave the post on Wednesday. Under Sagos, the DEC has made significant land purchases in the Adirondacks, protecting tens of thousands of acres. Most recently, Sagos announced a land purchase to help protect Follinsby Pond near Saranac Lake. In the mid-1800s, Ralph Waldo Emerson hosted a philosopher's camp there that helped spark the modern-day environmental conservation movement. Sago's plans to stay at the DEC through the current state budget negotiations.
1: The New York State Legislature is poised to vote on new congressional district lines before the end of the month. Democrats who lead the legislature have not publicly uh, signaled what they intend to do. Karen DeWitt reports control of the U.S. House of Representatives could hang in the balance. Lawmakers have left themselves a
4: short window to approve new congressional district lines for the 2024 elections. Under current law, petitioning for primaries is due to begin on Tuesday, February 27th, and the boundaries of the state's 26 congressional districts need to be in place by then. Democrats who lead the Senate and Assembly have two choices. One, they could simply adopt a new set of maps that the state's bipartisan redistricting commission approved in a 9-to-1 vote on February 15th. Redistricting expert Jeffrey Weiss, who heads the New York Census and Redistricting Institute at New York Law School, says under the state's constitution, the legislature has to put the commission's maps on the floor for a vote.
2: The legislature is required to vote on The map without any amendments and in order to approve the map, uh, both the Assembly and the Senate each have to have uh, two thirds of the members voting in the affirmative.
4: Though Democrats hold super majorities in each house, there are indications that a handful of Democrats might not vote for the maps and they could be rejected. The maps approved by the commission leave largely intact the lines drawn by a court-appointed special master in 2022. There's some minor changes that could disadvantage one GOP incumbent, Brandon Williams, from the Syracuse area and help another Republican House member, Mark Molinaro. He represents portions of the Hudson Valley and Southern Tier. Some Democrats say the maps drawn by the special master helped Republicans flip four congressional seats from Democratic to Republican in 2022, and they say that contributed to the GOP's current control of the House this time, state Republican Party leaders are urging the legislature to adopt the commission's maps, while Democratic Party leaders are expressing doubts. Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, speaking just before the maps were released, said legislators intended to think carefully before making a decision.
1: We will take a look at it. Uh, I think the reality is got to give us some time to be in the public sphere.
4: If the legislature rejects the commission maps, option two is to come up with yet another set of maps. They could go back to the drawing board literally and configure new lines for all the districts, or they could dust off a previous proposal that they offered to the special master in 2022 as an alternative. The special master rejected those maps, though. But option two would likely spark another court battle. In 2022, Republicans sued over the maps drawn by Democratic lawmakers. The state's highest court ultimately rejected the Democrats' maps, saying that they were gerrymandered. But this time, Weiss says, the court has a new chief judge, Rowan Wilson. Wilson was an associate judge on the court in 2022. He wrote the dissenting opinion in the decision that overturned the Democrats' maps.
2: We have a different chief judge in the driver's seat now.
4: Weiss says Democrats may decide it's worth the risk.
2: It's a gamble, but if they could draw a map that comports with all other state requirements, you know, the criteria compactness, population deviation, uh, minority voting rights, and get by uh, court review. It's entirely possible and favor a few more Democrats than the current MAP does.
4: Lawmakers late in the week were still deliberating in private meetings. If they are unable to meet the February 27th deadline, they could change the rules and postpone the start of petitioning, reduce the number of signatures required for the primary ballot, or put off the primary until later in the summer. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt for the New York Public News Network.
1: A Saratoga County man pled guilty to kidnapping a 9-year-old girl from Moreau State Park last fall. The Glens Falls Post Star reports Craig Ross Jr. of Milton pled guilty to first-degree kidnapping and first-degree sexual predatory assault on Wednesday. Ross will likely serve 47 years to life in prison. He'll be sentenced in April. Ross kidnapped the child from the state park in northern New York last September. She was missing for nearly 48 hours before police rescued her from Ross's mother's home in Ballston Spa.
0: Forest rangers rescued hikers and snowmobilers over the last week in the Adirondacks. Last Tuesday, a 75-year-old hiker fell and dislocated his shoulder on Mount Joe and needed help getting down the mountain. That on Saturday, a group of snowmobilers hit an elevated crack on Indian Lake, sending one more than 70 feet in the air and resulting in significant injuries. Last Sunday, two teenagers skied off the trail on Whiteface and couldn't find their way back. Rangers and ski patrollers helped find the two teens after they were missing for more than an hour.
1: In New York State, winter is warming faster than any other season. And that means the plants, insects, and animals that thrive here during winter months are changing too. WSKG's Rebecca Rettelmeier followed along with a citizen scientist who helped document how upstate's biodiversity is shifting. Here's her story for the New York Public News Network. So we have here a pine tree.
4: So I'm going to take a few pictures of it. I'm taking pictures near the bottom so we can see the
5: needles on the ground. That's Ingrid Zabel, the climate change education manager at the Paleontological Research Institution in Ithaca. On a mild January morning, she's walking in the woods, documenting the plants around her. Here I see a a hornbeam.
3: I saw some goldenrod that was dried up from the fall.
5: Zabel is one of nearly 50 people in the Cayuga Lake Basin, participating in what ecologists call a bio-blitz. Participants take photos of plants, animals, and insects and upload them to an app called iNaturalist to add to public data.
4: Like we want to know what's, what's living here now to capture that snapshot and then long term. We could see if that's changing. It's
5: too early for Zabel to say if they've documented any long-term changes. But scientists say the region's biodiversity already faces some risk. Partially, that's due to land use change and invasive species. But it's also exacerbated by climate change. Thomas Powell is a professor of biological sciences at Binghamton University.
0: It's climate change acting on top of all the other problematic things that we've that we've done to our ecosystems that are really gonna hamstring population and communities' ability to kind of keep pace with a with a changing world.
5: This winter, BioBlitz participants documented over three hundred species in the region, including mallards, mosses, mosquitoes, and one domesticated dog. In Ithaca, I'm Rebecca Rettelmeyer for the New York Public News Network.
1: Time is running out for the Watertown City Council to decide whether to open the zoo in Thompson Park this summer. According to the Watertown Daily Times, zoo officials say they need $75,000 from the city and a decision by early March to prepare for a May 1st opening. The status of the zoo has been in question for a while. Zoo officials announced last fall that due to financial hardships, the zoo would close with no plans to reopen. Watertown's Zoo Task Force stepped in, unanimously agreeing to keep it open and recommending that the city pay for it. The council agrees they want to keep it open but are weighing whether the city can afford it long-term. Mayor Sarah V. Campo Pierce says they'll discuss it at the next work session on March 12th, and the council will have to decide whether to approve a budget amendment for the funding. Mm-hmm.
0: Listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's eight eleven. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe.
1: And I'm Monica Sandresky. Coming up, kiddos and Saranac Lake shared similarities and differences last night at the annual multicultural night. We'll hear from them coming up in just a few minutes here on Northern Light.
0: Music by Oscar Sarmiento, guitarist in Potsdam. Listen to more of his music as part of our underscore project on our website, ncpr.org. Broadcast of Northern Light is supported by Adirondack Foundation and the Adirondack Birth to Three Alliance, dedicated to providing all children the best possible start in life adirondackbt BT3.org.
1: This week, we've been listening back to stories we've done about black history in the Adirondack North Country. This next piece is about a mysterious collection of photos that appeared two decades ago at the Adirondack Experience, a museum in Blue Mountain Lake. The photos were taken in 1932 and show a dead black man tied to a toboggan surrounded by three white men. Doreen Alessi Holmes is the collections manager at the museum.
6: It's very troubling to look at The propped up corpse of a human and people just sort of standing around like, yeah, sure, take our photo with this trophy. And I don't know that that's what they were thinking, but that is how it plays today when you look at those photographs.
0: The museum has been unraveling the mystery behind those photos. Last summer, it partnered with a black artist to bear witness to what really happened back in 1932. Emily Russell has the story, which first aired last September. There's an old
6: logging road in the central Adirondacks near Newcomb. On a warm, sunny day, it's where I meet Keith Morris Washington. He's an artist and professor who has stayed very humble about his work.
3: I don't know if I've ever said this in an interview uh, before, but, you know, I'm always kind of astonished when a good painting happens. (laughs) It's all kind of this magic
6: You can see that magic in many of his landscape paintings and flower portraits. A lot of Washington's more recent work explores black identity in America. Washington uses art to highlight the violence that black people have faced in both the past and the present. For one project, Washington has been painting landscapes of lynching sites around the US. It's what brought him here to the Adirondacks.
3: For me, part of this is to go to the places and to bear witness. Um, because it really is, for me, about honoring the memories of the victims.
6: In this case, the victim was a black man who encountered two white men in these woods in March of 1932. According to historical records, they went their separate ways, but the two men reported the black man to police. A few days later, a larger group tracked him down, a gunfight ensued, and the black man was killed. Doreen Alessi-Holmes from the Adirondack Experience is our guide out here today. As we walk down the road, she points out features in the landscape, obstacles the man must have had to endure while he was being tracked down by the group of white men. As we're moving forward, keep your eyes on that ridge ahead of us, because that is the Dunbrook Range, and it's an intimidatingly high and steep mountain, and I just can't imagine climbing up over that in the winter. Washington will paint this place, but not the violence that occurred here. His pieces focus more on the landscape, the beautiful and sublime aspects of it. He uses a series of squiggle marks, his description, to paint lush green grasses, tall trees, and wispy blue skies. Washington says his whole artistic process is more a tribute to life than to death.
3: Even when I'm painting, I'm not thinking about... Uh, The tragic nature of the person's life, but really trying to think about the ways in which I am honoring the person's life and documenting their history.
6: Another person who's been working to document the history of what happened here is Eliza Jane Darling. She's an anthropology professor and former public historian for Hamilton County.
4: This is the history of our region, and we need to understand what happened. And we certainly need to establish facts. But in the second place, I think there is a question of social justice and justice for
1: this man.
6: Darling has read the police and coroner's reports, piecing together what really happened over those few days in March. She's also read articles about the manhunt and the man's death, which made national news at the time. A headline in the New York Times from 1932 read, quote, Wild man is killed in the Adirondack. Garling says the sensationalized media back then is similar to the racist stereotypes black people still face today.
4: I mean, the headlines that this made could have been uh, taken from today's headlines. They really could have, Um, you know, the overestimation of the man's threat, the dehumanization involved in calling him a wild man, the fact that his body was left exposed, um, the, the fact that someone called the police when there didn't appear to be any crime having
1: been committed.
6: Darling wrote two articles for the Adirondack Daily Enterprise a few years ago, laying out everything she learned about the killing. According to records, the man is buried in nearby North Creek. Darling says she hopes one day to figure out who the man was. Back on the old logging road... We pass coyote and deer tracks. Our guide, Doreen Alessi Holmes, points us to something fluttering atop some wildflowers.
1: Just, there's an
6: American beauty butterfly over there right now. Um, and it's on a plant that's locally called Pearly Everlast. The Adirondacks are a place of deep wilderness and a lot of beauty. But they're also a place where prejudice and racism still exists. Artist Keith Morris Washington says that is still evident here today.
3: As I was uh, driving in yesterday, I saw, you know, New York license plate and a Confederate plate underneath it. And it's just like, yeah, you can't get away from that kind of um, ignorance. I'll I'll put it that way kindly.
6: As we reach the end of the logging road, Washington stops
3: to take a few photos.
6: I ask him what's on his mind during an experience like this one.
3: As I was walking to this place, um, you know, I was... In a sort of broad way, thinking about the victim and, and um, just sort of sending my thoughts to make a, a great painting for this person who we don't know their name yet, even. So there's a, a bit of a solemnness to it.
6: Washington says his goal is to make a beautiful painting of a place with a tragic past. The Adirondack Experience will have the option to buy the piece and add it to its permanent collection, putting more of the Adirondack's history on display. Emily Russell, North Country Public Radio, Newcomb.
1: That story first aired last September. You can find all of the stories in our series on the history of Black residents in the North Country at our website, ncpr.org. And while there, you can also find more conversations, stories, and news from our region. And don't forget to follow the station on Instagram and Facebook music
0: in to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe.
1: And I'm Monica Sandresky. In just a minute, a visit to Multicultural Night at Saranac Lake Middle School. Then stick around after the show for bird note. We'll meet the tiny shorebird that sticks around through the winter just ahead at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us.
0: We've got clouds and uh, the Weather Service says a chance of a mixed precipitation today. Relatively mild temperatures in the 40s for much of the region. 38 degrees in Canton right now. Tonight, uh, lows near 30, but colder tomorrow, sunshine, highs in the teens on Saturday, north winds 5 to 10 miles per hour, then temperatures dipping into the single digits Saturday night, early Sunday morning, highs low 30s on Sunday, mid 30s on Monday, a high in the 40s, mid to upper 40s on Tuesday, maybe a high near 50 on Wednesday. Here with a look at uh, more on weather and trail conditions in the Adirondacks is John Warren.
7: On Saturday, sunrise will be at about 645 and sunset at about 534. Last night saw a mix of precipitation around the region, mostly depending on elevation. We're going to see a dramatic drop in temperatures to well below normal for this time of year tonight into tomorrow. Saturday, we'll see some windy conditions, which will likely leave blowdown on trails. Temperatures will return to a more normal range for Sunday. Next week, we'll see well above normal temperatures that are likely to end most snow sports, possibly for the season. Temperatures on high peak summits are expected to be in the 20s today, but Saturday we'll see single digits below zero and wind chills in the 20s below zero. Sunday summit temperatures will return to the 20s, but wind chills will stay low near zero. Trail conditions will be icy through the weekend. Carry traction devices and expect to encounter blowdown. There remains about 8 to 12 inches of snow at most lower elevation locations in the Adirondacks. There remains about 2 to 3 feet at Lake Colden and even deeper snow at higher elevations. Many waters still remain open, but at our more normal lower levels for this time of year, lake ice remains hazardous, although Lake Colden and Avalanche Lake are being crossed. There have been several reports of people going through thin ice on the region's lakes. The ski trail and passes are skiable beyond Marcy Dam, and the truck trail to Marcy Dam is skiable, as is the Hayes Brook Truck Trail, the Newcomb Road, and into the Boris Ponds. But backcountry ski conditions remain thin elsewhere. Stick to smoother terrain for the best backcountry ski conditions this weekend. Paul Smith will be a good bet this weekend after having received some new snow. Garnet Hill near North Creek will have some good conditions this weekend, as will Lapland Lake near Northville. All other cross-country facilities will be open as well. If downhill is your plan, conditions will be mixed, but there remains plenty of terrain, at least for now. No glades or slides are expected to be open at Whiteface, but Gore will have some glades open. Oak and Macaulay will also have plenty of terrain. Given the forecast, this could be the last weekend for many of the region's ski areas. You can make the best of it by getting out on Sunday when conditions and temperatures will be more reasonable. Snowmobile trails are offering a variety of conditions for what looks like one last weekend, but expect plenty of icy turns and some bare spots. Trails in northern Herkimer and Hamilton and southern St. Lawrence counties remain the best bet. Trails in Warren and eastern Essex County remain closed. Those are the outdoor conditions in the Adirondacks this weekend. For North Country Public Radio, this is John Warren from the New York Almanac. Online at newyorkalmanac.com.
0: It's uh, coming up on 24 minutes past 8. This is Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. Flags. Photos and foods from dozens of countries were on display last night in the Saranac Lake Middle School Gymnasium as part of Multicultural Night. Visitors, mostly youngsters with their families and friends, were offered paper passports when they entered and invited to visit international display booths and fill their passports with stamps. Temit Muldowney is a teacher and one of the organizers of the event.
7: My name is Temit Muldowney,
6: and we are in the Petrova building um, in the middle school gym currently. We all have a story to tell, so we all come from somewhere, and that uniqueness is worth sharing. You know, it helps us learn about our differences that make us unique. I was born in Eritrea, and so both of my daughters have done Eritrea in previous years. Um, They've also done Ireland, which is their father's side of the family, so that's been very special to me. We encourage students, if you want to go home and talk to your families or the grown-up that's with you about your heritage, and you want to research it and share it with our community, go for it. If there's just some country that you've always really wanted to learn more about or if you've gone to a country that you really thought was cool and you want to present on that, great. Like the goal is to just have students walk in and learn about all the unique and different countries that make up our
0: world. As I wandered among tables filled with art, clothing and souvenirs from Switzerland, Ireland and even the state of Maine. Eight-year-old Felix invited me to visit his display about Scotland, right next to his friend Thea's exhibit on Hawaii. Okay, tell me what you've got here. I see some pineapple, I think. Is that pineapple? Yeah, ah.
4: and there's foods. is malasadas,
2: and they're donuts. Loco mocha is a very cool breakfast thing they like to eat. And hapisia is a jello-ish, um, a coconut-ish
4: thing. Um, and then there's flowers, which is hibiscus gardenia and blue ginger, and the flag is that. And
0: Okay, so what is the capital of Hawaii? Um, Honolulu? Yeah. Honolulu, okay. You've got it right here on your map. Okay, great.
2: I am Felix Langdon.
0: And how old are you, Felix?
2: Seven, and I'm going to turn eight tomorrow.
0: Happy birthday.
2: This is Scotland. I'm mostly Scottish, and it, it just... Scotland seems interesting to me. Like, castles, very weird sports, funny food.
0: Haggis, funny food, yeah. yeah. Have you ever eaten haggis?
2: Uh, no, no. it's like, a weird fact about it. It's boiled in the stomach of a sheep.
0: Thank you very much. Scotland and Hawaii shared a table with a display about Jamaica creator, Atticus, who loves sports. This is really fun. He got a big surprise visit to his display from two members of the Jamaican Olympic bobsled team who are training in the Adirondacks this season. After a few photos with the celebs, he told me about Jamaica's climate and food.
3: It's usually really warm there. The most popular foods are jerk chicken, curry goat, and and
0: jerk pork. Do you like some of the food of Jamaica? Have you tasted some? Um, I think I've tasted jerk
3: chicken, and I like
4: it.
0: At the one end of the gymnasium, four young Haudenosaunee men in traditional headdresses shared music and dances. They're from the Native North American Traveling College in Akwasasni. Teacher and organizer Jesse Jacoby says the evening is a way to share similarities and celebrate differences around the world and around the North Country.
6: Really wanted to honor the indigenous communities it's a huge part of the diversity in the Adirondacks and we have a lot of kids who know that they have some um, indigenous background but they don't know a lot about their um, heritage so having this cultural center here is really um, you know hopefully they can have some conversations and learn a little bit more about that aspect so diversity means a lot of things not just countries so that's kind of neat
0: yeah Along with Native American music and dance, last night's event featured food prepared by culinary students at Paul Smith's College, an international-themed photo booth, and free books for children. A little later this morning, you can check out photos and more on our website at ncpr.org.
1: Well, that's it for the show for the day. Todd, what a pleasure to hear from all of those kiddos. I loved learning about haggis. What a strange food. (laughs) That's a delight. Well, that is it for the show. Morning Edition continues in just a minute. Uh, coming up in about 15 minutes on the program, the Hugo Awards celebrate the best in science fiction literature. Leaked emails suggest organizers of last year's show in China tampered with votes and excluded potential nominees for political reasons. We'll get more context for this story from Andrew Limbong coming up in about 15 minutes. Then join us later this morning. For 1A, we'll have the domestic news roundup between 10 and 11 and the international news of the week from 11 to noon. That's right here on NCPR.
0: Thanks for listening and enjoy this last weekend of February.
1: I'm Monica Sandreski.
0: I'm Todd Moe. Be well.